turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along on a Tuesday. Is it sunny out there? It was sunny for a while. I don't have a window to the outside. Hopefully a beautiful day. We have a book of the month for October that you can get your hands on by registering at 989theanswer.com. We have five copies of the book to give away, including two autograph copies. It is called Debunking the 1619 Project. And the author is Mary Graybar. So you know the 1619 Project was written by Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is uh, one of the despicable people in our country, who is profiteering off inciting uh, racial hatred. Uh, She contends in her 1619 Project, her fanciful fictional 1619 Project in the New York Times that won a Pulitzer Prize, which is a joke, that was then widely panned by historians as inaccurate, was fiction. But she's parlayed it into a tenured position at North Carolina and lots of speaking engagements. And, oh, yeah, like what? $3 million homes. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's a socialist, all right. Yes. So this book debunks the 1619 Project. And you can get it by going to 989theanswer.com and registering for the October book of the month. It's essential reading for every concerned parent citizen, school board member, and policymaker. I'm not sure how many school board members are concerned with reading this book right now, but I know four who, if elected to the school board, will be very concerned with reading it and keeping that nonsense, the 1619 Project, out of our schools. So in the Olentangy District, the candidates you can vote for are Jennifer Foyt and Felicia Castle. In the Jonathan Alder District, you vote for Erica Detweiler and Sonia Walker. Now, I have some news. They had a candidate for him in the Jonathan Alder District last night. I'll play you a cut from that later this hour that shows clearly, concisely, boldly, plainly the disdain that incumbent school board members throughout the state of Ohio have for you as parents and in case you didn't know, the federal government shares that disdain for you as a parent of your son and daughter. You want to protect them. You want to keep critical race theory, them being branded oppressors or oppressed. Both are evil. Both are inaccurate. Both are twisted. You want to keep that from being ingrained in your kid's head. School boards across the state of Ohio with considerable encouragement and uh, threats from teachers' unions want to impose that on your kids. 
and they don't want to hear from you. And the Justice Department made it clear last night that they are throwing down a gauntlet saying that they will investigate and uh, mobilize against the, quote, spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school board members across the country. Merrick Garland directed the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office to meet in the next 30 days with federal, state, and local law enforcement leaders to outline strategies for addressing the incidents, which have become more frequent and more volatile in recent months. Really? Have they? So you can't now yell to underscore your point? Again, I prefer you didn't. I'd prefer I didn't. Sometimes you get excited. Your passions motivate you, move you to a place emotionally where you otherwise would not go. Doesn't mean you're ready to go smack somebody or club somebody. So we'll see where this goes, but uh, it's meant to deter you from going to meetings. After all, you can't get in trouble if you're just home yelling at the moon unless you're Alexa's listening (laughs) and reporting you, (laughs) which you never know. By the way, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Twitter, and everything else is back up today. Yesterday it was down. And uh, this was deemed a rarely seen global outage. 123,000 problem reports for Facebook. 97,000 for Instagram. 34,000 for WhatsApp. 9,600 for Facebook Messenger in the U.S. Do those numbers seem big? Aaron, this was all over the country, right? All over the country, all over the world? Facebook all down for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I'm not sure that every spot was, but yes, most of the world was out yesterday afternoon. Okay, so I'm going to present a counterintuitive viewpoint of this. And that is, wouldn't it be great if we could have a day where none of this nonsense worked and we could just focus on our friends and our lives and not be so invested in what everybody else is doing in their most wonderful moments or portraying their most wonderful moments as if, hey, I'm enjoying this and you're missing out. Would that be a bad thing? Uh, No, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but unless something like yesterday happens, I don't think that's happening. No, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. There's too much money tied to it. Genie's too big, bottle's too small, and our will is too weak to do that. I have uh, I had an endeavor maybe five, six years ago that I was trying to brainstorm. We were putting together a business plan, and a friend of mine was part of it, and Facebook was going to be a big cornerstone of the way that we could distribute our content. He had a friend who worked high up in Facebook, and the numbers that I got on the amount of times people spend on Facebook every day astounded me. The average amount of time for Facebook users on Facebook. And I would have thought, because in radio we have this little thing called time spent listening. And we gauge, you know, some some radio stations, this one does not, but some radio stations gauge time spent listening. And I've always, you know, I've been in radio for uh, 15-ish years. And the number on time spent listening, you tend to think it's going to be much higher than it is. Because people are always surfing, commercial here, commercial there, whatever. So the time spent listening number is always way down. So my parameter on this Facebook average time per day was like related to my time spent listening background. The average time spent on Facebook per day, 
per user. Average time is over two hours a day. That's wild. Two hours. And and per month, how many users do you think Facebook has per month? How many different people have logged on to their Facebook Unique users. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Every month. Worldwide? Yeah. I... How many people are in the world? Seven billion, I think. Seven billion. Maybe closer. Okay, I'm going to say a billion and a half. 2.85 billion (laughs) every month. Basically, one in two people in the entire world get on Facebook every month. That's crazy. I don't spend two hours on Facebook a month. But if, if I had my Twitter time logged... It would be way up there. It'd be embarrassingly high. I use Twitter as a show prep tool. I use Twitter as a way to blow off steam. And I use Twitter as a way to point out the hypocrisy in our world, like this stupid DOJ initiative. But boy, would it be nice if we could just say, hey, during the month of picket, anyone, there will be no social media in the world. If we'd have the courage to do that, might be interesting to see what kind of a world we would have at the end of that month. Wouldn't the collective temperature go down? I think it would. I think it would. I think email, that's when I really first started to notice it. People became more hostile via email because you could say whatever you wanted to say and you didn't have to actually say it. And then you got the whole thing of reading it wrong and inserting tone where there is no tone or not inserting tone where there is tone. I would say that the world is a far less civil place. And we are poorer as a people because of the advent of email, social media, cell phones, and everything else. In other words, technology. But again, as Aaron said, we are not turning it back to what it was because we haven't gotten it used to it we are addicted to it well i know this will come as a relief to all the dedicated christian people in our audience apparently everyone in columbus has been suitably evangelized uh, otherwise i am left to assume that uh, dan clark Uh, a pastor who wrote an editorial in the Columbus Dispatch uh, would not have the time to write an editorial in the Columbus Dispatch called Ohio is part of a shameful trend to erect barriers to voting in America. Uh, Dan, it says at the end of this, is the director of uh, Faith in Public Life. The Reverend Dan Clark is Ohio director at Faith in Public Life. Okay, well, I'm going to... Assume then that since he has time to pen this editorial about voting in Ohio, that he has evangelized everyone because I'm sure he's aware of the Great Commission and his charge as a pastor. Uh, The highlights, or not, of this uh, opinion piece uh, are all about Pastor Dan's uh, angst and disappointment over bills in Congress and at the State House in Columbus that he says would make voting more difficult for U.S. citizens and Ohioans. Uh, House Bill 294 is in his crosshairs. He says it proposes to drastically cut back voters' access to secure drop boxes for ballots. 
which were crucial to ensuring strong turnout during the pandemic. I'm pretty sure that's not what House Bill 294 says. That might be a repositioning of its uh, purpose by Pastor Dan. He says 18 state legislators, all con- con- legislatures rather, controlled by Republican politicians, have begun erecting new barriers to voting that target black, brown, and Native American voters. I'm going to venture out on a very strong limb and say that these efforts are aimed at eliminating voter fraud. Uh, But that is my opinion. I can't prove it. And neither can Pastor Dan, but he is quite adamant in this opinion piece in the dispatch. Uh, He says, the filibuster was used by Senate Republicans, including our own Rob Portman, to stop a national voting rights bill, the For the People Act, which Dan says Americans overwhelmingly favor. How about some numbers on that, Dan? I don't think Americans overwhelmingly favor that. I think it's pretty well split. In fact, maybe upside down. More from Pastor Dan's opinion piece. The American Rescue Plan Act, passed earlier this year, put $33 billion in federal funding into our state, ranging from child tax credits that put money straight into working families' pockets to new funding for our schools in pandemic relief. He doesn't mention that that was all all Democratic voted on. No Republican supported that. I would think a pastor would be a consensus builder. May he is pastor to Democrats. The Build Back Better plan, Dan says working its way through Congress, forms the basis for, here we go, it's getting good now, listen up. The Build Back Better plan, making its way through Congress, forms the basis of what many faith leaders are calling a holy recovery. That's holy, H-O-L-Y, not W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, as in spiritual, as in perfect. As in Christ-like. Many faith leaders, well, I'm sure the ones Pastor Dan hangs out are calling it that. I'm sure he and his pal Tim Aarons are calling it that. A holy recovery. Yeah, I will get on board with the fact that we need a holy recovery in our country, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to come from Washington and not going to come from the Biden administration with anything labeled Build Back Better. He says it makes the essential infrastructure of family life. Family life is infrastructure in Pastor Dan's warped world. Child care, school, and health care, more affordable. More affordable for who, Dan? He says Democratic, Independent, and Republican voters favor all of these policies. Uh, uh, uh. That's a lie. That's verboten in the pastor world. He says, uh, these things should not be subject to the filibuster because enough Americans elected leaders who share our values. Well, your values. Dan, don't speak for me, please. 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 Today we must mobilize and demand a holy recovery. Oh, this must be the part where he gets to presenting the gospel. The holy recovery has got to be it. Uh, Let me continue. Today we must mobilize and demand a holy recovery. Unfortunately, not with the gospel with what Dan says is moral urgency that rises to the moment, keeping in mind that filibustering politicians never stop the civil rights movement. 
And uh, keep in mind that filibustering pastors never spread the gospel. Pastor Dan Clark. Stay away from him and his church and his message and everything he is talking about. Uh, Anthony Fauci, you may have heard yesterday, because I played the cut on the air, uh, put a crimp in all of our Christmas plans. Remember when uh, the wise one said this? But we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell? You know, Margaret, we, it's just too soon to tell. We've just got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down and not try yeah. to jump ahead by weeks or months and say what we're going to do at a particular time. Well, now Anthony Fauci has jumped ahead one day from that, and he has reconsidered. Fauci the elf says he will be spending Christmas with his family. He says, I encourage people, particularly the vaccinated people who are protected, to have a good normal Christmas with your family. He was pilloried for this, as well he should have been. Rand Paul tweeted, I don't think anyone is going to be listening to Scrooge Fauci. I know I won't be. Elise Stefanik, congressperson from New York, says, Fauci has lost all credibility with the American people. We aren't waiting on his permission to celebrate Christmas together. No, we are not. By the way, there is good news on the tyrannical medical front. I believe Francis Collins, head of the uh, National Institute of Health, I believe Francis Collins has resigned or is planning to resign. Yes, to step down as NIH director by year's end. He is 71 years old. He is the first presidentially appointed NIH director to serve in more than one administration. He's been there 12 years. So he served under Obama, Trump, and Biden. He says, I fundamentally believe that no single person should serve in the position too long and that it's time to bring in a new scientist to lead the NIH into the future. How long has Fauci been in control of his wing of the health power structure? He goes back to HIV. He goes back to the 80s. Anthony Fauci's not leaving the stage anytime soon. He won't He won't have anyone to talk to if he, if he leaves the stage anytime soon. Now, COVID here, as I told you, Dr. Vanderhoff of the Ohio Department of Health says COVID's going down, the numbers are trending down, and that he is viewing this as, quote, a little ray of sunshine. (laughs) Good, 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 good. In New Zealand, the people have not seen the sunshine for a long time. They have precluded them from going outside. But now, now they may finally be coming to their senses. New Zealand had a COVID zero strategy. So do we. We just won't admit we have one. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says their strategy has failed. And now they have to transition to living with COVID. Wow, what what convinced you of that? So they're going to let people go out in groups of 10 or more, congregate only outdoors. Kids will go back to school. Outdoor exercise at parks will be permitted first time since August. People can go back to the beaches. Hunting and fishing will be allowed again. They have a three-step plan. 
Next, 25 people or more. Then after that, 50 people or more. When they get to 25, they'll allow their libraries, museums, pools, and zoos to open. And when they get to 50, they'll allow their restaurants and bars to open. But right now, nobody can get a haircut. And masks are still required. COVID made the world go crazy. New Zealand. Australia. United States of America. Everywhere. Nuts. Nuts.